Shall I show you my low FODMAP book? Low FODMAP? Yeah, I know. This is what is it? Oh, that is a very depressing thing when you have like irritable bowel. Uh, when you say irritable bowel, are you referring to a condition or yes. uh, somebody you know? A condition. Ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you had. You got you got irritable bowels. Oh yeah, that's that's just part of life. Well, they've always irritated me, to be fair. But oh dear, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh yeah, have we have we never talked about my bowels together? Yeah, <laughs> so... no, I've I've chosen not to go there you're so wise yeah <laughs> i wish i had that choice <laughs> episode 104 <laughs> thank you very much Brilliant. welcome everybody to episode 104 of 104, that's a lot, isn't it? It's, it's, it's starting to get too many if you've listened to them all, frankly. 104 of the Mid-Faith Crisis yes. podcast. Uh, my name's Nick Page. There in front of me is Joe Davis. Hello and welcome. How, yeah, thank you. Uh, I ought to start this week by apologising to anybody who couldn't get hold of it last week. Yes, I, I, what happened? I, although maybe they're still not able to get hold of it, in which case this apology is irrelevant because they won't hear it. Um, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what happened. Something uh, changed. Technical thing. Something changed in the settings that tells iTunes where to find the podcast, uh. and um, so I couldn't find it. And I spent ages trying to sort it oh, out. And well, I think I have sorted it out now. But um, mm. if anybody is still having to come to the website and download this, rather than getting it in their podcast um, app of choice, please let me mm. know. Yeah, good. Oh, there and you if are. you if you are coming to the website and downloading it as a matter of course. I would recommend using a podcast app of some kind and subscribing. Yes, and indeed. As it some... comes to you automatically when it works, when it flipping works. Anyway. Exactly. Anyway. Good. Um, so, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those times when, you know, I thought I was going to be really busy in December and I wasn't. I thought I'd be really stupidly busy in January and I wasn't, but now I am stupidly busy. And then it's about to go quiet again in March. So that's... You know, we're we're riding the crest of the wave at the moment, so it's. How, how, yeah. It's always difficult, isn't it, talking about your work? Yeah, it is. It is because hard you realise that actually what you're talking about is funerals. funerals. Yeah, I'm talking about funerals. Yeah. How do you know it's going to go quiet in March? Oh, because it's I, just because you're cause, not booked for stuff. Yeah, because I already know. Yeah. yeah to some course. extent. So yeah. yeah. But this... I thought you were kind of profit. No, 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 yeah, no. I thought no. you were. <laughs> so Monday's my birthday and I'm doing two on my birthday. Oh, and one of them's, you know, like one of them's a 39... Anyway, I don't, we don't want to go into the depressing no. stuff, but a 39-year-old with young kids. And, oh. you know, every now and then it just, uh, you know, kind of gets beneath the skin a bit. And Yeah. I, I mean, yes. it'd be crazy if it didn't, I guess. And, but interestingly, I'm coming up to six months without a little break. And always around six months without a break, I start to think, oh, I can't do this anymore. No, I'm dreadful. Oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah. So I need to stop. I think it is a, a great thing that you do, actually. I do think it is a great thing. Yeah, it's a great it's, privilege. Yeah. But it's I can see the toll it takes at times. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, the day was made very sweet last weekend because although I didn't... Uh, Go to the cinema. Oh, actually, I may have done, but I can't remember what I saw. But I did watch The Blind Side again. Have you seen that Sandra Bullock film? No. The Blind Side. Oh, my gosh. It's so wonderful. It's an old film. Really old. But 
just fantastic. What's you it about? have to see it. it's about it's a true story, point number one. It's yeah. about this kind of Republican members of the NRA uh American family. I mean like you kind of don't want to like this family, mm-hmm. really, but they are so kind. They are so lovely. And there's this black guy who's really down on his luck. Uh it's a true story of Michael uh what's his name? Uh Michael O'Hare. And uh, basically, they just take him under his wing and then they discover he's good at, like, American football. And he goes on to be one of the greatest American football players. Mm. But, it, I mean, it's it's just beautifully done. But, man, the thing that makes me weep uncontrollable is the kindness of the movie. Right, I mean, again. it's like, you mm. know, Paddington squared. I mean, it's just yes. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Don't go there. Well, anyway, but also... Well, just... I, I watched a very moving... I watched a very moving true story Oh, well. did you? What? Um, one about kindness and gentleness. Oh, good. Uh, John Wick 3. Oh, isn't that lovely? It's very heartwarming. <laughs> it is, especially what he can do with a book. <laughs> yeah, or a horse. New uses for a book. <laughs> I I don't really know what to say about that film because I just thought, in the end, literally I was fast-forwarding it on Netflix because I thought, oh, here's another fight. And I was just going through it. Did you do the the classic thing of counting how many deaths there were in the whole movie? No, I didn't because it's considerably more than so one a minute. Stupid, yeah. and then I lay there thinking, <laughs> on the sofa, thinking, why have I just watched that? Oh, because it's beautiful in every way. It's, it's sort of balletic in a way. Is that not? That's the sort of film I always used to want to watch after an elders' meeting. Yeah, I remember you were, when you talked about <laughs> it when you, first, when you saw it in the cinema. It's very cathartic for you. But anyway, um, can I just anyway, can I just have a moment, an indulgent yes, moment? On. Now you didn't know this was coming, uh, so this is a surprise for Nick. Oh, right, people, okay. it's not an announcement or anything, but um, but I bought I rather spontaneously bought a prop for when we go to Lee Abbey in the summer. Few tickets still available, by the way. And I thought, somehow, we definitely got a use of this prop. And here it is. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So I just feel like... Sorry. I feel like this will dispense wisdom to people. So you can't give it away. I don't. Oh, we just have to go to leave that in the podcast, and uh, <laughs> I can't even tell you what I'm, horror I've just witnessed. I know that's not great for podcasts, but trust me, people, if you're coming to Lee Abbey, okay. you're in for a little treat. When we do it at Lee Abbey, we will. I will promise we'll get pictures out of it as well. <laughs> anyway. That is awesome. So there we are. <laughs> anyway, enough. These dark times are broken up with levity and we need it. How are you? What have you been up to? Um, Other than John Wick 3. Well, OK, here's the thing. You're married for 35 years mm-hmm. to my soulmate and the love of my life. You think mm-hmm. she understands you. Mm-hmm. And then what, does ha- what happens? She says, I've booked us tickets to go and hear a Japanese choir singing mm. Handel's Messiah. That rhymes, actually. Mm. Uh, a Japanese choir singing Handel's Messiah. And and it's, it's the same time as the England versus Ireland rugby match. Oh, no. Oh, what, no. Uh, what, how do you not... What? what? <laughs> I'm sure you handled that with great grace. <laughs> I, I just said fine, because my theme this year is outside, go outside your comfort zone, go outside, go and do things, experience yeah. new things. I just went and did it. And um, it was it was a lovely concert, actually, although I Good. do think Handel's Messiah could do with a bit of editing. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of repetition in there, Is I'll there? be honest. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Great. And a lot of falalaling and trilling. But anyway, it, it was um, it, it was it was good. It was you know it was a Handel's Messiah in the Sheldonian Theatre in Oxford, uh, a Japanese choir, um, in aid of uh, asylum seekers. Mm. Right. I felt about as middle class as I've ever felt in my life, really. I, the only thing that could have made it more it was if I was sitting there eating hummus and reading The Guardian, and then I'd have been, I'd have exploded in a, an explosion of liberal middle classness. Anyway, but it was good. It was good. It was good. nice. And uh, then um, I've been preparing for Liebe, which I'm away to next week. Oh, yeah. Hey, are there any spaces left? If anyone wanted to do something wild and crazy and spontaneous on Saturday, could they book in for Monday? Yes, I'm sure there are spaces oh. left because I don't know. I, I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure there's still a few spaces available, I believe. Great. Well, I do mean, that. it's the first week in March. It's not, you know, like people well, aren't going to flock to the North yeah, but that's the, Coast. That's the greatest week of the year, as we all know. <laughs> You're just saying that because you nicked my other week. <laughs> no, I'm saying yes, you did. because it's my birthday. Do, I was originally booked to do this course on <laughs> oh, in June, and then you rode in and said, "No, no, no Mitch, I can't." <laughs> Get over it. Yeah, it's your birthday. Yeah, no. Mm. Uh, I know. Have to think about that one. Know, right. Uh, anyway, should we do some feedback? <laughs> Shall we move on to yeah, what Phil on. says, beloved? <laughs> yes, listener Phil. Uh, mm. He said, uh, hearing you both speak about the Picasso exhibition immediately made me think of the parallels of the mid-faith crisis. It was actually Nick speaking about the Picasso oh, exhibition. Oh. He said, it may appear, and indeed we may feel, that we haven't really got the hang of faith and are doing the theological equivalent of putting noses in weird places. <laughs> he says, but like Picasso, most of us are doing this after arguably being quite good at faith. Note the quotation marks, he says. And perhaps, as Nick observed, you might imagine that it was being quite good that allows us to do all the other other stuff i quite like that excellent thought. yeah thanks for that that's very, very encouraging good. and true yeah, yeah it is it really is and he then said uh he sent another email because this is on a different topic he said about guilt he said your discussion about guilt built to mind rather obviously paul's observations from two corinthians godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow brings death mm. and then he went on to say one of the differences between worldly and godly sorrow is that the former can be a persistent condemnation whereas the latter is more of a prompt to change. That's good, isn't Thank it? Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, thanks, Phil. You're a legend, really. That's mm. all there is to it. And then uh, a response to PC Anonymous last week. Oh, right. And uh, he says this, Hi, Joe. Uh, he says, I just wanted to encourage PC Anon in his role. His email spoke to me about how sometimes churches do very little to prepare people for real life, which is odd as we all live in real life. As a copper in the Met, I know exactly how it feels to see the worst of humanity as well as the fallout from people's desires to put themselves first. For example, the petty things people end up calling the police for, which a love-your-neighbour ethos would solve. He says, we do see the utter brokenness of humanity in the faces of suicide victims, battered wives, stabbed victims, arrested stabbing suspects and always distraught children stay etched on our minds. Yet... And you and Nick acknowledge this. We are, in fact, God's representatives in these places of darkness. We all have a vocation, and for some it's policing. We are peacekeepers. We do act justly. We are despised by some, yet humbly carry on. We do weep with the broken and work all hours of the day and night to bring hope to those who've been abused or downtrodden. And it's a solid gold privilege to be there with people. And he says, anyway, if PC Anon wants to get a coffee, feel free to pass in my email details. Yours, Sergeant Anonymous. 
that's, that's just, great, isn't it? Isn't that lovely? That's just brilliant. Uh, that is yeah. exactly the kind of thing you hope for when you start a stupid podcast about <laughs> yes, exactly. blokes having mid-faith crisis. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, then, no, isn't that wonderful? That's great. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah, Sergeant PC and on. Get back in touch if you want that email address because mm, uh, yeah. it looks like to me like a free coffee there. So, uh, yeah, very good. Moving on. Yes. So here's what we're going to open up this week. Um, mm. We've threatened for a long time to talk about healing and, like, you know, just to open up the conversation, not because we're the experts who've got the definitive word on it all. And one of the people who has most profoundly sort of shaped my thinking is my dear friend Ruth who of course you know because she's come to several mid-faith crisis events mm. uh, and was at Lee Abbey last year and will be at Lee Abbey this year actually oh excellent but um well I won't tell the story because she tells it in the interview so why mm. don't we listen to what she's going to say it's just a short interview and then we'll pick it up from there so this is Ruth Brown who's a member of Soul Place okay so uh I am here with our beloved friend, Ruth Brown, who is a bit of a bestie of Rachel's and uh, and a member of Soul Place. Indeed. <laughs> and we're part both, of the cult. You are <laughs> a very beloved part of the cult, <laughs> I might add. Uh, and I uh, have asked you, pretty much against your will, <laughs> yep. to come on the podcast. Because I wanted to talk, we're, we're, we're thinking about healing. It's a controversial subject mm -hmm. i think for many people um so before we get going first of all you're ruth brown i am ruth brown and um you can probably tell by my voice i don't come from around here no i come from north of the border yes. from lanarkshire but ah. i have lived down here for over 30 years yes mm -hmm. indeed mm -hmm. and you've got a husband who thrashes me at snooker <laughs> that's not what he tells me <laughs> well, he does I'm sure. and you have some gorgeous children i've got three children two adult children and one 13 year old oh, they are mm -hmm. lovely people lovely they human are. beings mm. so just just bring us up to date because mm -hmm. your world was rocked a bit a couple of years ago so yeah. just uh, just tell it give us a bit of background okay so May 2018, nearly two years ago now, mm. I realised that there was something not quite right. And um, within two weeks of realising something was not quite right, I'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Um, I remember well sitting out there in your um, garden and telling you and Rachel. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So from that point, what was a, there was a bit of treatment. There was. I mean... At the time, everything seemed to go really slowly. Looking yeah. back, it didn't. Within two months of being diagnosed, yeah. I was on my first chemo treatment. Yeah. And I had um, eight cycles of chemo, and yeah. then a break, and then surgery, and then I took a bit more of a break and swanned off to India for three you weeks. You did, yeah. <laughs> that was my prize for getting through that first oh, chemo. Oh, bless you. And when I came back, I needed more chemotherapy, so I had another six cycles, yeah. and I eventually finished my treatment a year after I started. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and that second round of chemo was a blow, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it uh, was a terrible blow. I thought I was coming back perhaps for some radiotherapy and a month and it would all be done, yeah. and it was another three and a half months, and it was hard, hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was depressing. But mm -hmm. on the plus side, since then, 
we have been having glorious <laughs> off cancer <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> Don't. He'll edit that bit out. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Because uh, I thought, can I say certain words when I'm here? Oh, you can say what you like. <laughs> oh, yeah. good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we've had, you know, we've been to concerts, we've been, we've had lovely yeah. meals out, we've done yeah. some drinking and a lot of eating. We've been mm-hmm. embracing life. But mm-hmm. the, the reason I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. talk to you is not because you've had cancer, but because I remember... I remember when you you told Rachel mm-hmm. and I kind of ahead of others, and yeah. I remember you coming to Soul Place and sharing with the group, mm-hmm. and then you said, "I don't want you to pray for me to be healed," yeah. and that's mm-hmm. why we're here, and mm-hmm. um, because I want to know why you said that and what you meant by that. Well, I didn't want to be prayed to be healed because. I don't think that's how it works. Mm. For phys- I'm talking about physical healing. Mm. I mean, I have sat in so many prayer meetings over the years where people mm. have prayed for people who've got cancer or other life-threatening conditions to be mm. healed. And I, I remember one distinctly. Um, a friend of mine had a stroke while giving mm. birth mm. and she was paralysed from the neck down. Mm. And I distinctly remember sitting there and thinking... These people are praying for her to be healed and it's not going to happen. Mm. You know, mm. It really isn't and it's not what she needs. And yet I didn't really say that because, you know, the tradition I grew yeah, up in... It feels unfaithful, yeah. You're lacking faith. It won't happen because you've not prayed properly. Yeah, you've, it's your yeah, fault. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh. And yet... Yeah. My other experience told me that absolutely it doesn't happen like that. I mean, um, my father had cancer and he died. My mother had had cancer long before him and she lived and and was healed. So did God think I needed my mum more than I needed my dad? Yeah, sure. Did God think people prayed better for my mum than they did for my dad? I think that's the crux of Mm -hmm. it, isn't it? If if God, you know, if we'd prayed Mm -hmm. for you, and you go back to your oncologist and he says, it's a miracle. And occasionally this happens, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Occasionally, cancer just totally goes. Yeah. It completely goes. And of course, they're the people we stand up at the prayer meetings mm-hmm. and say, isn't this wonderful? But if if God chooses to intervene and heal you, why? Why? Yeah. Why you? Why me? Why not someone else? <laughs> what have you, you done know? so right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that children and countless mm-hmm. others haven't? Haven't, Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also for me, it wasn't what I needed. What? You know, I, I trusted the doctors. I, mm. The unit here at Worthing Hospital is outstanding. Yeah. And I trusted my surgeon to do the right thing. Mm. I trusted the oncologist. I trusted mm. the nurses to help mm. me through it. What I needed, and I, I do remember saying this to you at the mm. time, what I needed was the strength to walk the journey. Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't need a prayer I didn't believe in. I needed help. I needed encouragement. Mm. I needed perseverance yeah. and resilience. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it, what was most frustrating for me is uh, I couldn't give you whiskey. 
<laughs> that's quite frustrating for me one too. of the worst <laughs> possible things about yeah. cancer that they don't tell you is yeah. you can't drink whiskey <laughs> but what a glorious day when we did have whiskey indeed it again. was which yeah. wasn't that long ago really, no it was wasn't it? Yeah. I mean that was a long lasting side yeah. effect not drinking whiskey yeah. not eating curry yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um, but you know what I did need I got so from a very close-knit group of friends, I got help with practical things like lifts to appointments, lifts to hospital, yeah. lifts to work. I continued to work. I got help with meals. Yeah. And more importantly, I had people who treated me as though I didn't have cancer and yeah. just teased me and we had a laugh. Yeah, yeah, and, you know... Yeah. We know no other way, to be honest. I know. <laughs> I was accused many times of being an attention seeker. <laughs> well, it is a bit extreme. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and just, so, you know, just when you think I'll stop attention seeking and get yeah. better now, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, this is a difficult one, but what do you believe about healing? What What's the deal with healing for you, would you say? Well... That is a really hard one. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say to you it never happens because mm. I don't know. Mm. But for me, um, <clears throat> I think I look at the miracles in the New Testament and I look at mm. what Jesus said. And, and so often he said things like, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Um, mm. This man wasn't blind because of what he did, that his parents mm. did. And I think... There's a bigger picture here. It's not all about physical healing. Mm. And I think, now I'm cancer-free. And I could just take that thing that happened and I could just push it into a corner and never think about it again until maybe it happens later. Mm. Um, But actually, for me, healing is about taking that and integrating it into who I am. Wow. So it is part of who I am. I have had cancer. I have got a rather large scar. Mm. Um, but in in me, I have scars. Mm. I have learning. I have, um, mm. and I have hope. So <clears throat> I had been through a, a number of years of learning about what helped me connect with God. Mm. And trust me, it wasn't sitting in a service in a traditional mm. church. It was mm. um, being with a small group of people. It was swimming, it was walking, it was looking at flowers, Mm. spending time at the sea. And all of that went when I was unwell. Mm. I had no energy. I couldn't eat the things I liked. I couldn't drink the things I liked. Um, I couldn't go out in the sun. I love being out in the sun. Mm. And at one level, you know, that that was quite a concern because these were the things that kept me well. These Mm. were the things that helped me connect with God. Mm. And yet... Somehow, I learned that although all that went, I was still connected with God. Mm. And it, was, it wasn't easy. I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, mm. oh, yeah, it was, no. it was wonderful. It was not wonderful. But deep down, I learned to really, really look inside. Mm. I learned to really calm When I was uptight, mm. I could feel my body uptight. I learned to relax and calm down and really look inside. And, you know, there's that verse in the Bible where I think it's Paul says to the Athenians that in God we live and move and have our being. Mm. And I learned that that's true for mm. me. Deep down that's true. Whether I can 
go out and look at flowers and sit under a tree mm. and connect with God that way, or whether I'm just forced to sit at home under a blanket feeling cold mm. and unwell, mm. that's still true. Mm. So somehow paying attention to that is really mm. important. And healing is about, that's me. Mm. That inner thing yeah. will not change. My cells in my body will change. Yeah. Every cell I have is not who I was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And yet I'm still me. Yeah. And I'm still connected to God and I'm still connected to the people that's in the place. Wonderful. And yeah. that's part of my healing. Mm. Yeah. And you know, the prayer, it just strikes me mm-hmm. saying now, that the prayer that we repeatedly said um, for you and sometimes mm. with you was, mm. was that Celtic encircling. Yeah. Prayer. Appropriately yeah. enough, being yeah, a Scot. Indeed. Yeah, And I'll put that up. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, is a one, that to me is a wonderful prayer because... You're just praying that you'd be encircled in God's love yeah. and and the love of people who know you and love you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Oh, great, Ruth. Thank you ever so much well, for being on the show. Oh, look, we we did nearly eleven minutes. Who knew? Three. <laughs> you, you were told three. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. And you don't have to listen to this one. I ever. wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. I, I thought it was a lovely interview. Yeah, really lovely. And she really didn't want to do it. <laughs> really, a bit of an issue about listening to her own voice. Who oh, hasn't? Uh, oh, Who well, hasn't? We've all got that. Yeah, <laughs> you should try editing this. <laughs> to listen to me. Thank and you, you, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah it's, I thought that was a really um, yeah. interesting, uh, yeah, profound interview. Uh, I was particularly struck by her saying that that she was praying for um, strength to walk the journey. Yeah, yeah. Which is a prayer I think we all need most of the time, but yeah. you know that 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 seemed to me a very mature kind of reaction. Yeah, to pray for courage rather than for the obstacle to be moved, but yeah, for the yeah. but to have courage in the face of the obstacle. Um, yeah, that really struck me, and also it it was good because it just raised those big questions. You know, you're going to pray for God to heal me, great, but why would God choose me above a child or about? above all the other worthy people. And, you know, she made that point with the parents, you know, as well. So I do think it's great. And I do like the way she brought out the importance of friends and support mm. and laughter. Mm. And we did give her quite a hard time, you know, for attention-seeking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I say we, I mean I did. Yes, yes, I think we all <laughs> understood that. I, I, I think it's, it's... You have to say that was her approach, as well. Yes. That's very yes, much, exactly. That's, yeah. This is not a kind of mass prescription for people. No, no, no. I think I was reflecting on my experience with my friend Steve, mm. uh, who we, we talked about in um, podcasts earlier in the year, and his his uh, bleed on the brain mm. last year it was his bleed mm. on the brain. Yeah, and um, praying very much for healing there. And I and what happened? I I nobody really understands why no. he hasn't been affected no. by it. No. There is something of the miraculous in that. Yeah. So I think it's not, we're not saying, well, I wouldn't want to say it's wrong no. to pray for healing. And I don't no, think that's what no, Ruth was saying. No, Ruth wasn't saying that. I think it's just a very honest approach that has a lot of integrity to it, what she what she took there. So is it all right if I just share my very Californianly wiffly Yeah, go, go. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I haven't stopped you over the past 104 episodes, so I'm not going to start now. I do think I want to talk about it. So, you know, partly what started this was having uh, a, a listener come to our house and he, I think he had a medical background. And, you know, we were talking about cancer and we were just saying, look, if 
if uh, if say in a church, you know, a large church, three hundred people get cancer, because isn't it one in three? It's between one and three, and one and two of us are going to get cancer, statistically. So if three hundred people get cancer, this would be my observations. Some people are going to get treated, and it's going to go really well. Some people are going to get treated. It's not going to go so well. Some people are going to die. Mm. And in a few cases, there is no doubt about this. Some people, it's just going to go. They're, mm. like, they're going to be diagnosed with cancer and then it's going to go. And no one is going to be able to explain why. So, But of course, who are the people that the church are going to get up to share their testimony? It's going to be those people. Um. Obviously, you can't interview people once they're de- they've died of cancer. You can't ask them to share their testimony. And you're not likely to to interview someone and thank God for someone who's on their last round of chemotherapy and have been given a couple of months to live. So, so there's issues around this. And this helps inform, for me, a, a kind of new understanding of healing. Because, you know, I certainly don't want to ever say I don't believe in healing. Quite the opposite. In fact, just this morning, I had a rather nasty incident with my toenail. <laughs> it looked like it was going to fall off. There was Lord. blood everywhere. I know. I we've just, had your bowels. I walked your into toenail. something. <laughs> I don't know why. But here, here is something extraordinary. It stopped bleeding. I mean, like, we <laughs> are walking miracles we are these extraordinary self-healing um creatures so for me the whole darn thing is a miracle these bodies of ours are absolutely miraculous extraordinary things so i kind of think everything's a miracle so that brings me on to so what's the place of prayer and i kind of think well we know that we are bundles of energy. So if I got a bad back and you say to me, Joe, I want to pray for your bad back. And is it OK if I lay a hand on you? And as you pray for me and as you lay your hand on me, I feel a warmth and my back starts to feel better. I, You know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily evidence for an interventionist God in the old fashioned way of thinking about that. I just think that's evidence that there's some sort of energetic exchange going on and it's really good now if you to do that and i had a really critical condition would it work i'm not so convinced it would Mm. but could it could it stop sprains and could it help you know my my body's natural healing process to accelerate yeah i would have thought it possibly could and i think you know i should have perhaps asked ruth more about this I know that there was a certain prayer. It was these encircling prayers, and we'll put them up, if we may, um, mm. with the notes in this. I know she received extreme comfort from that, knowing that these were the prayers we were saying for her over and over and over again, these encircling prayers. And they're very beautiful. They're very simple. Circle, Ruth, O oh God, keep hope within, despair without. Circle, Ruth, O oh God, keep peace within, keep turmoil without. Circle, Ruth, O oh God, keep calm within, keep storms without. You know, those kind of, these Celtic prayers, they're so lovely and earthy and real. And they're not the same as saying, stop the bad thing from happening. Mm. You know, we've talked about the second naivety before, haven't we? The Mm. first naivety is is born out of ignorance. 
you've got a problem. No, don't worry. Just let me pray for it and God will fix it. Mm. That's the first naivety. But the second naivety is the the faith that's gone through the fire, that's questioned, that's cried, that's pleaded, that's, that's you know, agonised with the questions, but comes back to that simple place of praying for healing. And I think for most many of us at this stage of the faith journey, we're in that second naivety place of saying, yeah, I don't want to say healing doesn't happen. But I also have a new understanding of who God is, of where God is, of how God operates, and also that death is not necessarily to be avoided, but it, death is, in a sense, a part of life. It's the mm. flip side, it's the one certain thing, death and resurrection, and that's where all the hope from the, the Easter narrative comes from, for me, that there is death and resurrection going on the whole time and going on in my body today. There's been lots of death and resurrection going on. Loads of cells have died, but miraculously... Loads of new cells have been born. And that's, how, and that's why Ruth, I think, was making that point that, you know, technically she's not the same person she was 10 years ago. She's completely new. Mm. But on the other sense, she is still very much Ruth Brown. And that's a miracle as well. So I think those are my thoughts on healing. And they might not sound faithful enough for some people. And they may sound, you know, a bit whiffly and like, oh, you know, you saying God doesn't heal. And no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, it's a bit like you pray for a car parking space and there's a car parking yeah, space. Well, that, yeah, well I'm, I'm happy you've road, I'm yeah. happy you've had a car parking space, but that's not evidence that God intervened and got it for you and forced people out of it. I don't think it sounds whiffly. I think it sounds in a way the opposite of whiffly. It sounds very <clears throat> over, not over rationalistic, but it sounds mm. like that's the way you're going down. You're looking for rational explanations of why well, certain things happen um yeah embracing you know, mystery as well but yeah well yeah but the way you're talking about it is what happens within the body or some life yeah. force or yeah. chi or i don't know what it is some well it's energy power of the seagull hmm. god yes uh, <laughs> but i i think i i kind of can see all these arguments and i i, I think for me i have to sit very lightly with with all this and I try very hard to keep myself open to the possibility of the truly miraculous. Now, I know what you mean about the miraculous. I know what you mean about, you know, the mm. sun rises, it's a miracle, it's a miracle we exist on this planet, yeah. it's a miracle, all that kind of stuff. But it genuinely I really, is. I really accept that. But I do also think that when we talk about the miraculous, we are not, we are not talking about that kind of thing. We are talking about something that seems contrary to the laws of nature. Your, your toe being healed is part of the law of nature. You know, it's a miracle yeah. that, that's in there. It's a miracle you're made that way. Your toes are a miracle of some kind. Um, but it's a, it's a, it, what I'm talking about are those things that seem outside mm. of that. Yeah. And, and I want to remain open to those possibilities. I don't understand mm. why they happen. I don't understand mm. why they happen sometimes and why they don't happen other yeah. times. It's it's quite interesting. I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but um, at Lourdes, for example, mm. you know, the healing place in France, mm. as opposed to the cricket ground, which is also a place mm. of healing in, mm. in a different way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Lourdes in France, they have a team that will assess every case mm. of healing. And they take all the evidence... And they, they write up a case study. That case study then goes to another um, team of mm. doctors uh, in in Paris 
who will then look at it all and they will then assess whether or not what has happened is a true miracle in their eyes. Okay. And very, very few of what happens in Lords gets through that process. But the point is some do. Okay. You know, again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sort of come down on one side or the other. I just know from pe- talking to people and from part of my work with persecuted church and all that kind of stuff that I want to remain open to mystery, even though most, oh, yes. of, what I, yeah. most of what I kind of think about in terms of prayer now is not along those lines. Yeah. But I think I have to remain, and maybe this is the second naivety, maybe it's just remaining open yeah. to the possibility yeah. that things happen that are inexplicable yeah. and wonderful. Well, things, things do happen. And when someone who has no faith goes back to the doctor and they've been told they've got cancer and they're in real serious trouble and they have no cancer, mm. no cancer at all, you know, our reaction might be to thank God for the miracle of healing. I don't know what their reaction would be, but it does happen. Mm. It does happen. It is, and, that, and that's documented. It happens. But also this reminds me a little bit of our conversation about guilt because the other side of this coin is... You whip the church up into a frenzy about, let's God, you can come on, let's believe in healing. Let's come on, let's come together with faith. And this has happened countless times. Mm. And then the person still dies. And then what happens is you have to sort of come up for a reason why God allowed that person, yeah, that yeah, child yeah. to I, die. I, I, I think and we all go work. away slightly dissatisfied yeah. because we'd all been hoping and believing in the miracle and everything. And then it didn't happen. Whereas actually a bigger view of everything might might actually be a far healthier thing for people to believe than why didn't God heal me or my child or whatever it was, and is it my fault? Well, well, I think the other thing is that maybe it's to do with our view of what illness is and what it represents as well, mm. what, which you touched on. Mm. In terms of, yes, you're right, people who are about to die or people who are critically ill don't get interviewed mm. at the front of church, mm. but maybe they should. Oh yeah, no, I think that'd be great. Maybe what we well, what we what I believe in, what we definitely believe in, is that the kingdom of God is big enough to encompass pain and darkness yeah, and suffering absolutely. and illness. Yeah. And um, if I may recommend a book, there's a absolute wonderful book called The Stature of Waiting. Yeah. By Van Stone. And it's all about being a patient. Yeah. In the end, it's all about being, a, 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 you know, a, and the link of that word, patient, to mm. the passion of Christ, to to allowing things to happen, and and it's almost mm. raising the stature of these people. Mm. If we're in a church that sees illness as somehow a failure, or a, or, 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 or you know, it's a kind of almost an Old Testament mm. view of somehow you're not in the right place mm. with God, and that therefore, we I think that doesn't help at all. Mm. Um, I think instead we should change our view of what these illnesses actually are, yeah. uh, which I think is what you were also saying there, and, yeah. and, um, and see how they fit into the mystery and the connection with God as well and help people with that strength to walk the journey, as Ruth so poignantly yeah. and profoundly said. Yeah, and I think it does link to all sorts of theology, like sin bringing death. So, you know, yeah. I think a lot of Christians are more comfortable with the sort of some sort of evolutionary view of how we you know, came into being. And that requires death. You know, so death is very much not an embarrassment or a difficulty or something to be shut, but to be embraced in yes. the evolutionary process. It's all part of it. And and I think we still feel awkward, some of us, because we think, 
well, no, death only really came about because of sin. Yeah. And there's no sin, you know, that kind of stuff. So that perhaps also doesn't help us. Yeah. And also it's one of these little traps that uh, I remember the interview I did with Adrian Plass. And he, mm. he, he so funny. And he talked about what he really hates in church is the traps that church sets. And the one that he <laughs> talked about was how um, only God can solve your problem. But if he doesn't, it's still your fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. often what we're laden on people with illness or what we feel yeah. as a church with illness. Is if we pray with somebody, only God can do this. And if he doesn't, yeah. it's somehow we didn't pray enough. Or it's still our fault. You have to kind of free yourself of that and go, no, that cannot be the case. Yeah. Nobody understands the ins and outs of intercessory prayer. And why mm. some things get answered, some things don't get answered, or whether anything's answered at all in that sense. Mm. But taking your concerns to God, being mm. honest to God about what's happening, mm. being honest about what you would love to see happen. Yes. Indeed. And really asking for that. That's perfectly acceptable. And, yeah. and you know, uh, absolutely to be encouraged, I think. And I think it was a very human, natural and healthy response for the moment Ruth told yeah. us she had cancer. I, I just wanted to I was begging God to heal her. Yes, you know, that, that was my very yeah, human yeah, response, even yeah. though I've got all these, you know, whatever views. Yes. You know, the, the fact is, if you tell me you're ill, I want you to be better. Yes, exactly. Of course I do. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Ruth, I want to thank you yes, uh, so indeed. much for doing that. I'm sure you didn't listen to it, but it really was lovely. So thank you so much. And I'd love to hear what others who, you know, gone on this journey and had brushes with life-threatening illness and all the rest of it what, what do you think how, how what do you feel about um healing perhaps you think it's a load of rubbish what we've said or perhaps you've got a different view or you want to echo some thoughts love to hear from you send in send in your emails to joe at midfaithcrisis.org now i should confess that next week we've got an interview and then uh, nick and i are away for a couple of weeks so it might take us a while to get back to your uh, emails but we will get back to them and mm. we really are interested in what you've got to think about because we've opened up a huge area today. I know we have. Well, that's more than enough from us. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ruth. And, uh, yeah, do get in touch. And we'll be back next week. We will indeed. And we'll put those encircling prayers up for you. And uh, I hope you'll find them helpful. 